one of the big challenges that we've faced over the years when bringing new coaches into the mix was making sure that they understood our philosophy on human development, on physical development in its entirety. Now, it was a mistake from us because we, we, we would assume a lot and much more so in the early days. We would bring great coaches from other realms, from other gyms. They would come in, they would do some things really well, but there would be certain things that they just were completely unaware of and sometimes misinformed about. And this, of course, forced us to reflect on how we were training those coaches and the time that we were spending with them and what we were taking them through. And this was where our coaches courses were born out of, our original internship, our now coaches intensive and how that continues to evolve. So we've gotten a lot better at it, obviously. But it is still a challenge today. And talking with Paulie about it, we decided we would sort of break down a couple of episodes where we dive into the this as a topic. And so today's discussion is around the specialist versus the generalist. And this goes back to what you are interested in and what you are doing in your training. And, and, and that is really central to a coach because obviously their experience is, is largely built upon what it is that they're into in their own training. And so we go into that and we talk about it from the point of view of being both a gym owner and how this would be relevant to the coaches or the people that come and work in your gym. But then also for you as a coach or, or someone who's venturing to become a coach and how you might run into trouble in this realm, the pitfalls, but then also how you can make this something that's really enriching and how you can take your own experience in your training journey and turn that into a great strength in your coaching career. Before we jump into it, I wanted to let you know our final coaches intensive for this year is coming up on the 21st and the 22nd of October. This is the coaching course where we will teach you the Jungle Brothers, the original JB, now JA philosophy on physical development, what we believe builds strong, robust, durable humans. You will learn our foundational movement patterns, uh, our basic approach to sales and marketing, and a deep dive into the art of coaching. It's a big two days. You're going to come out of it with a bunch of new perspectives on how to grow a business, how to grow a community, and how to develop strong, durable humans. If you are interested in that, you can click the link in the bio and enroll now. There is a 20% discount if you enroll before the 21st of September. So I suggest you get onto that and you use the code Let's Go to avail that 20% discount. I'll put all of that into the show notes. So all you gotta do is just scroll down and the details are there. Click the link, do the thing. 21st, 22nd of October. I hope to see you there. Please enjoy today's episode. As soon as I'm, I try to close my knees and try to come down to even 90 degrees, the shoulders just start closing. Yeah. Anything below S- that is impossible. Same. Same. Like tuck's average, always been average for me. But that, so that, like, so that stretch that, that I did today, for me, the, like, I don't know, you know, if we took that position and like just cut it out, the position I was in, it probably wasn't an exceptional tuck. Or maybe it was. Um, but the, I felt in the first two sets that it just kind of hurt my shoulders. Like it, 
probably didn't quite hurt, but I just felt vulnerable mm. trying to lift the hips. But then on the third set, I didn't feel that vulnerability. Oh, I wow. felt strong enough that I'm like, keep pulling into the bar and yep. then, oh shit, the hips lifted, you know? Yep. Yeah, I've got a pain in my shoulders yeah, right. when I'm doing that, when I have tension there. It's funny, isn't it, that, um, that end range thing where yep. it's like, it's the balance between exposure, strength, um, I don't know, like, yeah, like strength, exposure, range, like it's sort of all of that stuff. Welcome, bro. Good to have you back on the show. <clears throat> Good to be here. I was thinking about one of the dilemmas that we faced with the coaches that we want to indoctrinate, bring into our system, into mm -hmm. our gyms. And looking back, I think one of the biggest challenges we've, that we've faced is when you bring on, because our, our approach has always been diverse and we've, we've, we've always appreciated diversity. So coaches from different backgrounds, different realms that can each bring their special thing to the gym. Now, I think that oftentimes that works really well. If you can foster it in the right way, there's great benefit to having that. But there are also downsides. And so I thought today would be a good chance for us to have a chat about this specialization versus generalization or specialist versus the generalist. Mm-hmm which is a topic I talk about in the coaches intensive mm -hmm. because I, I realize that this as a framework doesn't, a lot of coaches, people in the fitness game don't necessarily understand these sort of labels and what they actually mean. And I think that that's kind of understanding that and being able to see the, the pros and the cons in both is what allows us to be successful with how we run things here. But if you're not aware of the cons, then it, it can be, or you know, if you're not aware of the drawbacks, drawbacks it can become a problem mm. so here's let me let me take you on a little tour please explain so the you know for for for, for those listening the specialist is someone who is very good at one particular thing now the greatest example of this is high level athletes so you look at elite level athletes in any field and they are exceptional at that sport of course, there are carryovers, i.e. if you are excellent at soccer, you're probably going to have some skills if I put you on the basketball court because you do have footwork and coordination and timing and whatever. But really, basketballers are going to be the best at basketball. If, you're, if you've played soccer in your life, that's what's going to be good at. If, if track and field athletics are your thing. You know, if you're a 100-meter sprinter versus you're a 1600, you can be really good at one or the other. The 100-meter sprinter is not good at the 1600, right? So the, the nature of how we train the body generally for these sports leads towards specialization, mm -hmm. right? Makes sense. The marathon runner is, is, a, is a good one as well. Yeah. Just as an example. As opposed to? Uh, any other, the weightlifter. Exactly, right? Marathon runner's got the gas tank, the efficiency. But not the body to lift over their body weight. No. Potentially. No, they don't have the explosive type 2 muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so if we look at this in the training realm, you have areas of specialization within it. So you have people who love lifting heavy barbells. Powerlifters are a great example of that. 
you have people that love doing high intensity interval type stuff all the time. You know, they're <laughs> often like the folks you see down at the park just bashing it out at the boot camps. You know, or, or like some CrossFitters, you know, you'll see in that realm. You have people that love mobility and believe that salvation comes from exploring end <laughs> ranges. You know, you've got jujitsu people where it's all about jujitsu and nothing else. And you, you can already identify that when you try to influence a specialist to come around to, hey, why don't you try some of this? There's usually resistance there. Hey, jiu-jitsu guy, why don't you try adding a bit of stretching and a bit of basic strength training into your routine? It's going to help. I fucking hate the gym, you know? Mm, mm. Or hey, man, power lifter, like super strong. But I think maybe a bit of movement stuff and a bit of um, like focused mobility work is going to help to like unlock your body a bit and give you more range of motion and kind of round out your movement capacity. They're like, that's fucking hard and I'm not into it. Right, so we, we end up kind of carving a trench, right? And it's, and it's not to say like, you know, no judgment on this, right? I've got no problem with you. If you're like, that's what I like and that's what I do and that's my solution to fitness, then go for it, right? So that's sort of one side of it is that the, there's an attitude generally for a specialist whereby they're not interested in other things. There is also and you kind of touched on that in that, those previous examples, there's a physical, there's a, a physical manifestation of that. The power lifter becomes extremely good with two feet on the ground, you know, bilateral, pressing, deadlifting, whatever, deadlifting, but they suck if you put them onto a single leg or if you ask them to do something that requires plyometric ability or if you try and teach them some jiu-jitsu or rock climbing or something like they're just... They, they haven't trained those capacities, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, if you try and take the marathon running, like, hey, I need you, we're working on 1RM cleans. I need you to be aggressive and powerful <laughs> on this rep. You know, they're like, that's not a quality that they are versed in. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, you know, and so if we, you know, you simmer that down, there's like, okay, something specifically in the body that they don't have as a physical capacity, be it fast twitch muscle fibers or muscle mass or whatever, right? Coordination of a different skill. Exactly. So then you go to the generalist idea. And the generalist is the person that, and this is an ideal, right? This is where we're talking ideals right now. The generalist is the person that has a moderate level of ability across all or many of those capacities. So they're pretty good. They can lift some reasonably heavy stuff. They're not as strong as the power lifter but they're reasonably mobile, right? They look after their range of motion. They can get into some, some pretty deep positions and express that. They have levels of coordination that allow them to not feel like a total noob if they're doing their first jiu-jitsu class or you want to take them, jump into a social soccer match, go rock climbing, right? Mm-hmm. They have a general capacity in all areas. Mm-hmm. I say it's an ideal because we're always going to have weak points, aren't we? Like there's always going to be stuff that you just don't do as well as something else that you do. You know, I'm still trying to identify one of those in my own game, but... I mean, maybe you don't, right? I trust you. Maybe you've reached the promised land. (laughs) So, you know, if we look at like CrossFit, CrossFit's a good example of a somewhat generalist approach. They call it GPP, General Physical Preparation, Preparedness. Yep. That's the term they use in the States. Um, 
they're strong, they can lift heavy shit, they're pretty fast, they're explosive, um, they got some good skills, they can get on the gymnastics rings, they can walk on their hands, they can fucking hit big conditioning workouts. You know, you watch the CrossFit Games, you're like, wow, these motherfuckers are well-rounded. Mm. Now you could draw that out and go, all right, well, show me like juggle five balls or, you know, like do some circus shit. Like it's not just, <laughs> you know, like there's always an end point, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's one sort of methodology where they've, where they've tried to reach some kind of general capacity across many different modes of physical capacity. Um, fuck, I'm using a lot of words. Talk to me. Here at Jungle Brothers, Jungle Botany, our thing has always been to build generalists. And we kind of sum up our methodology into fight, lift, move. And we believe that if you can be proficient, right? Proficient kind of implies you don't have to be great at it. You don't have to love it. You just got to be like, okay. Yeah. At fighting and, you know, take your pick, jiu-jitsu, tie boxing, boxing, whatever. At lifting stuff, barbells, kettlebells, sandbags, mm-hmm. and moving. Fuck around with handstands, get on the rings every now and again, do some crawl patterns, you know, stretch. That if you can kind of, you like that? Yeah. 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 If you can sort of tick those three boxes, then you are building general capacity. Now, we've always also ventured to, well, before I go on, I think, does that, does that kind of cover this specialist versus general? Yeah, thing? yeah. Um, a couple of things, I guess, to, that's relevant to, to, to trying to build this out for people, if it's their first time hearing it, is like why do we uh, think that the generalist approach is, why do we practice it here? And that's because we train the general population and most of every 99% of the population is not a paid athlete. We're all workers, fathers, mothers, uni students, etc. And that type of training generalist is going to serve you better in your life for general everyday activities that you've got because... Uh, you don't have the time to recover or you're not getting paid necessarily to go as intense down one track while sacrificing all the other shit that you probably and should could be doing because variety is what gives you health. If we talk about real health, it's not like being the fittest person in one modality. Oh, that guy's fucking healthy as. To us, it's that over... Well, it's, that, that's, it's that whole scope, so... Um, there's that and what was the other thing I was going to mention can't remember right now come back to me later yeah great point the you know maybe folks don't look at this but the elite athlete has a short lifespan as in they're usually only an elite athlete for you know a decade Mm. and it's usually sometime around their late 20s maybe late 30s mid 30s depending on what sport they're playing whereby they can no longer perform at that level. And then usually that's proceeded by a period of chronic injuries as a result of their high performance. Mm. You look at any you know rugby league, rugby union player, knees, backs, shoulders, spines. Not even at a pro level. No, club level, right? Club, yeah. Like look at ball, all the people we played soccer with, right? Yeah. I see, I know, three guys. I know that are still standing from that, but the majority of them... <laughs> You know, oh, my knee just, I fucking buckled my <clears> knee <throat> too many times and yeah. can't, af- can't afford to take time off. Got kids and a family now. 
But everything, you know, the person that's really into barbell work, they're usually copying damage as a result of that. That training takes a toll on the body. And when you train one thing to that degree, when you carve that trench to that depth, you pay a price, you sacrifice health in order to reach greatness in that, in that arena. And so, you know, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. Like that's, that is what jiu-jitsu is. Jiu-jitsu is a bunch of people on the mats willingly destroying their body <laughs> because it's so fun, <laughs> you know? And you're just like, I'm going to ignore this for as long as I can because it's so much fun. <laughs> and I will just do, you know, the, the bare essentials to get by for as long as possible, which is usually like, I don't know, you go see a physio every few months or take some pain, you know, like you just avoid the pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, the rare few will actually do the work to, you know, mitigate this damage. But yeah, so it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for a regular person to go and jump into this specialist mindset and cop aforementioned damage. Um, I remember the second point that I was going to kind of bring in just to bring some more um, understanding to it. And it's more to like, uh, well, in the generalist space, what, how do we organise and see, we as in jungle, how do we organise and see what constitutes like our training? And uh, I guess I just wanted to just quickly anchor that towards the ancient man or woman. Um, and that's why I say when you're talking about the CrossFit and they do a really good job of, you know, cross modalities in their training, but we very clearly have the fight aspect. And I guess uh, without going too deeply into it now, we are looking at what we were designed to do and where we evolved out of and looked at that from that kind of uh, anthropological kind of perspective. And that's how we've come up because that's what we did. We used to hunt for food, gather food. We had to shift and move camps and we had to defend ourselves uh, or attack warring tribes, etc. So that's that playing and that interaction and that fighting part, which I think, um, you know, deep down everyone has, uh, should like explore because it's kind of built into a lot of other aspects of being a human being, um, you know, personal development, emotionally and mentally and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, the, I think the, like the significance of the reward systems that have evolved around fulfilling those activities can't yep. be overstated as well. Yes, yep. Like, like, say, talking with Sam this morning, right? Come from a CrossFit background. Oh, uh, yes. We're talking about how CrossFit is, for, most, for the, the, the standard CrossFit thing, is a bunch of people going through an agonizing workout, a collective struggle, Yep. That everyone finishes, nobody died. And the elation that comes from that is huge. You're like, how fucking good was that? Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, wow, we all died for an hour and we made it out. Let's go get a coffee. You know, and that collective struggle, I think that that collective struggle is a part of any like solid workout. Yeah. You know, be it a heavy lift class or an S&M or, you know, a fight like a, like a sparring session. You know, you go through that struggle with people and then that tightens your bonds. And I believe that's the kind of reward systems that are tied up in that because it's, we could boil it down to like hard work. Yeah. And when you do hard work with other people, your genes tell you that's what I need you to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because it's, it's whatever, it's going and hunting food or yeah, you know, fighting for the tribe or whatever it is. Yeah. 
at its most basic level, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? Like, you know, yep. you, you can be in a state of mild sort of whatever angst. I'm not going to say oh, like you can feel a bit down and then you go and do a hard workout and you instantly feel better. So in any case, the, for us, it's really important, right? This generalist approach. Now, we see that as the collection of those things and, you know, whatever. Like uh, we, we've, we've sort of identified that with our gyms, the fight component of fight, lift, move is not going to be necessarily a part of every gym owner's training history. Mm-hmm. And we believe that there's nothing worse than somebody who doesn't know anything about fight training trying to teach others how to do fight training. It's painful. Yeah, so yeah like it's, that's boxer size, right? You go and get a two-day two certificate and you can like whatever, do boxing with people. So in do, that, for do that boxing. part, do boxing, yeah. <laughs> the double uppercuts is the best <laughs> one. Or the double overhead punch. Um, that's like, all right, well, that part is kind of conditional to the individual's journey. You know, that's, that's something that takes time and, and that the coach or the, the, the gym owner has to have lived and, and had, you know, uh, they've got to have lived that experience for a period of time. If they don't have that, that's fine. The other side of it is like the strength and the movement. Mm. And I think that we go back to what our, uh, before we came up with the fight, lift, move piece, which was really for us in our first gym, um, this gym, strength and movement was the original thing. And I think that that is, I believe, I see the method as being anchored to that primarily, right? Mm-hmm. And it's strength and movement and everything that's encompassed in that. So you're like, well, that's everything, right? Like, you're like, yep. Yep, all there. they're working. Exactly, <laughs> yep. But you can also teach that. I can take, a, you know, some PT and be like, this is the 100 important strength exercises I think you should know. This is... 50 movement drills that I think you should know. Here are a collection of perspectives that I think you should consider in regards to physical development. And that's like, okay, now you're starting to round out the picture for that person, Mm. giving them like a workable methodology. So one of the tricky parts we've had, right, in our gym is that we have, being that we have these areas of specialization, Thai boxing, jiu-jitsu, weightlifting, gymnastics, we've brought in coaches who are specialists in those fields, mm-hmm. right? You are a jujitsu guy, great, teach the jujitsu thing. You are a flexibility person, great, teach a stretch class. Now, usually, like it, it, it actually works out really well often, but I've, when it doesn't work out well versus when it does, is when that coach can understand the bigger picture and that, hey, the thing that I'm into and the thing that I teach is part of this whole. It is not the whole. It is a part of it. And I see and value the importance of all the other parts. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't necessarily express all those other parts to the same degree. They're still going to be the, the specialist. But they go, yeah, okay, that's what I'm into. But that's me. And I'm a bit of a fanatic about this shit. I've dedicated my career to it. Whereas I see the relevance of doing a little bit of all of these things for the people here. And that, you know, and you see, you see those coaches who become influenced by that. You know, you see like the weightlifting coach that you see them doing a bit of bodyweight training. Mm. And you know, they don't like love it as much as the barbell, but they're like, nah, it's good for me. And I, I value that, that philosophy, you know, or you see the, the stretch coach that's like, I'm doing some conditioning work. 
Yeah. You know, you're like fucking awesome. That is so counter to where you normally spend your time. You mm. see that they've been influenced by that philosophy. Mm. And I think that, I think it's just an important observation to make because a specialist is an amazing asset to have as a coach. But when they're so indoctrinated in their style of training that they cannot value any other style of training and they can't see that their thing is just one little piece of the pie, I think that, not try, maybe it's, I'm not trying to use really nasty words, but it's almost toxic in the environment. Yeah. Because they just then don't have sort of understanding or respect for the other things. Yes, and that, yeah. and these are the people that are coaching and influencing the people in your gym. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, like if I can think of the times where it's happened in our business, you know, it's, it's often not that it, uh, it, they're doing it consciously, but as we know, like cultures in gyms and the way that we influence our members in our gyms, it kind of happens organically by what they see people doing and how they spend their time. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It becomes tricky at that point. I feel the, the greatest, like, so chatting, chatting with the young fellow this morning, um, I feel the greatest, like, experience for a coach to have in regards to training and building a well-rounded perspective of physical development is going through different phases of these training modes. Like when I look back at what I went through, the two years that I was like deep in the calisthenics realm was awesome. At the time I thought, you know, pull-ups and dips were all that mattered, you know, and it was all about doing more reps. I was just so indoctrinated into calisthenics. But it was awesome because I learned, I, I, I lived that experience. I learned what that was like. I felt what it was like on my body. I saw how it changed my body, the strengths that it gave me, the weaknesses that it gave me, the, you know, the perspectives of the, of the people in that culture, what they valued, what they totally had a, were blind to. Mm. Not all of that learning came at the time. A lot of it came retroactively, say, when I then jumped in and got really into CrossFit for a while. And that was, I don't know, a couple of years. And I was like, I was deep in that. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I'm comparing the calisthenics thing to that. And the background of all that, I'm doing jiu-jitsu. And so I'm gaining that those perspectives and seeing what they're blind to. And, mm. and then obviously I got deep in the movement thing. Like I see those as like sort of key chapters in my physical development that by the time I got to a point where I was running a gym, I had all of that in my past and I could, I had a really well-rounded understanding of things, mm. you know? I, you know, not everyone has the benefit to do that, right? Like maybe you don't go, maybe you start the gym younger or whatever, but I think that living those things for a period, whatever you can allow and building that well-rounded perspective on physical development is like, I think it's everything when it comes to being a coach that people can trust because you, you're kind of coming to the job with, you have wisdom around because you understand those modalities, you understand the different perspectives and also allows you to be in a position to innovate and come up with new things because you don't have 
those restrictions that are placed on you when you are stuck in one strict dogma. Yeah, you can you can see a problem and fix it with a variety of tools. Yeah, I, I, I'm thankful for that all the time. If I look at my journey, I came in much later on the shoulders of all the stuff that you guys and T had already experienced. So I was like the, I was like the, the modern mixed martial artist who didn't come from one practice and then had to tack on the others. I came in and kind of did all of them. I, yeah, I did have a, a bit of a background in some other things. Yeah. But um, yeah, I came in at the head of that. Um, and the learning journey for me was different. Um, but I did have to do time in each one of those modalities at some point, some more than others, etc. But when it comes to coaching people, I'm so grateful that I can, I, I, and, and it's only a, a rare time that I, I recognize that, that holy shit, like I just gave that person that thing or they asked me for something and I, I could meet them with it because I had that feather in my hat sort of thing or that tool in my toolbox. Um, yeah, I think it's really important because, yeah, what's the hammer and nail thing? If you've got a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail type of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important for, you know, meeting people's needs and serving people inside of your, your gym and your business. Yeah, man. And, I, you know, the... I'm trying to think of like the, the, the practical kind of takeaways for this for the, for the listeners is like, well, if you're a gym owner and you've got coaches in your gym and you're, you know, looking at hiring people or whatever, you, you need those coaches to understand this philosophy and this viewpoint of things, assuming you have a, a diverse view like ours. You need them to share that too. So you have to make sure that they are across that. Now that doesn't mean that you have to kill their, that you have to squash their area of specialization. That is their strength and that's what they should be celebrating that and that's what they should be known for in your place. But you also need to make sure that they are on board with dipping their toes into a little bit of the other areas that they might have been, you know, that they are less familiar with. So whatever that is, you know, whether it's, hey, I want you to come and try do some of these classes regularly just so you're getting that or I want you to start tr- focusing on a bit of this in your training, you know? Mm, mm. Bringing them around to that way of thinking so that, you know, they get it. If you are a coach, same goes. But I think like putting yourself into those situations to have those experiences. Mm. So if you're like, oh yeah, shit, all of my training, see Sam, all of my training does really look like that. How can I start to get a bit of that? Oh, you know, fuck it, I'll... I'll start training with my mate who's, who's, who just loves heavy lifting and I'll do a program with them for six months. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's explore that. That'd be fun. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to go do some PT sessions with that flexibility coach and I'm going to learn that. I'm going to join that gym that's totally different to, you know, the stuff I know. Like, because that will make you more well-rounded across the board and in time, I think that that's just going to make you more wise when it comes to this coaching gig. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, fam. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, bruh. See you next time. See you.